You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks supporter at ESPN Milwaukee, also at ESPN Burnhamwood, which is a very small town, um, but suggested by my father. Uh, he said that was a good small town, so I said, okay, sounds good. Uh, Burnhamwood it is for today. Um, that means I'm also at ESPN Wisconsin. You can find me all over the state. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of Brew Hoop, Frank Madden. Frank how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I feel like every day where you do another city, we get someone in our mention saying, hey, I'm from there. Or, you know, yeah, shout out, my, totally my dad agree. lives there, or something like that. So um, I'm always uh, always amused by that. Um, and also, good to see confirmation that Little Shoot uh, is pronounced the way uh, I claimed it was when I corrected you last night. So Yeah, there was a little shaming that went on for it, but uh, yeah. largely I'm okay yeah. with it. Like, I I'm, I owned up to it, you know, I just didn't know. <laughs> I'm... I've been known to grammar shame you from time to time. That time it was Wisconsin City pronunciation shaming, um, and I'll, I'll do both. You know? Actually, the fun part was I had someone like, "Oh man, if you can't get through Little Shoot, like how are you going to get through Prairie du Chien and like all these other ones?" And I was like, "Okay, I got those. Um, I just didn't know shoot was shoot. Okay, sorry, that's on me. Um, but that's okay. If you want to test me, that's fine." I'll be ready. I'm excited. There's a lot of cool names uh, from all over the state, so I'm ready to be tested if you want to bring it. All right, folks. Um, So I guess today uh, I I was trying to think of, you know, uh, basketball things to talk about because that's typically what we like to do here. But, I mean, I think it would be... I mean, it would be ridiculous to really talk about anything other than what is the biggest story of for the Milwaukee Bucks, what's the biggest story in the city of Milwaukee? What's the biggest story in, I mean, s- somewhat to an extent nationally right now in the sports conversation, especially so because of what the NFL announced today. Um, obviously, I'm talking about Sterling Brown and uh, what happened with him and the Milwaukee police in January. Um, so I guess a, a quick, I guess the a quick rundown of the situation in January, um, obviously, we all kind of heard about uh, an incident where a taser was used on Sterling Brown at a Walgreens at like 2.30 in the morning uh, during the middle of the season. He played in a game the next day, and uh, we didn't really hear all that much more about it, just that, you know, it happened, and Sterling wasn't really going to say much about it. And uh, I think largely we all just kind of moved on. Uh, because there wasn't really any more details that came out. I think there was maybe a, a security video uh, that came out, but it didn't really show anything uh, with the arrest or uh, 
whatever physical struggle altercation there might have been. So we didn't really hear anything more about it since January. Uh, and then it, news had broke earlier this week that uh, they would be releasing the video and that the Milwaukee Police Department was concerned about it um, and worried about what it might uh, end up looking like, which I don't think you ever want to hear from a police department. And uh, then that video did drop tonight at 5 p.m. and before it was uh, before it was released, uh, the Milwaukee Police Department uh, released an official statement. And in that, um, I guess I'm I guess I'm trying to figure out what to read from this, but essentially. They said during their encounter, Mr. Brown was decentralized, tased, and arrested. The department conducted an investigation into the incident, into the incident which revealed members acted inappropriately, and those members were recently disciplined. Criminal charges against Mr. Brown were not pursued. Uh, and this is from the police chief, Alfonso Morales. I'm sorry this incident escalated to this level. And uh, from there, obviously, I think we all... I, I shouldn't say we all, but there was a chance to watch the video. It ends up being 30 minutes, 30 seconds long of a body cam video from one of the officers uh, that were a part of the situation. Um, and, and around the eight minute mark of that video, uh, I believe, I think the quick play by play of it. And again, you can kind of watch it, but uh, Sterling Brown pulled up to this Walgreens at two 30 in the morning. He parked, uh, let's see, perpendicular to two parking stalls. It was essentially across uh, two handicapped spots. Came back out. When he came out, an officer met him there and asked why he'd parked like that. And uh, then things kind of escalated from there around the eight minute mark. Uh, he had already called in a, a couple other squad cars. And by that point, there was a couple officers around Sterling Brown. He had his hands in his pockets as he was talking. I mean, aren't there like, like, it seems like they're like eight to 10, right? I mean, there are a ton yeah, of police believe, around him, right? Yeah. I didn't yeah. want to use an exact number, but I believe it was like five or six more cars had pulled up with obviously police officers in those vehicles. Um, so by that point, uh, there is a number of officers around him, uh, while he's talking to the officer, you know, just kind of asking what's going on, you know, what more needs to be done here and uh he obviously it's january so he has his hands in his pockets they ask him to take his hands out he does not do so immediately uh and then he is kind of bombarded by a number of those officers uh they all pile on top of him take him to the ground um, and then while they are taking him to the ground one of the officers calls out taser to you know kind of get some of the other uh officers away they hit him with the taser and then they put him in handcuffs, arrest him. Uh, and that was kind of that. So, um, again, it, it goes on for 20 minutes after that. Uh, feel free to watch all of it so you can feel as informed as, as possible on exactly what happened and, um, you know, what went on in that encounter. But like I said, Milwaukee police department said that an investigation into the incident revealed members of the police department acted inappropriately and those members were recently disciplined so um i guess that's kind of where we're at there i, I guess let's start and we can get into sterling brown's statement we can get into the buck statement but let's just get into your just general thoughts when when you saw that frank
Well, I guess, you know, not surprise, I guess. I mean, we've seen incidents um, where people have been killed, right? I mean, obviously the ones that have made the news for understandable reasons have been typically African-Americans who, you know, are in some sort of confrontation with police. And um, I mean, whether it's, you know, I think Eric Garner was the name of the guy in New York who gets, you know, literally choked out um, on the on the sidewalk and dies. Um, others obviously getting shot to death. Um, I mean, you, you, you're not shocked that something like this would happen, um, unfortunately. I mean, that's just kind of if you watch the news, you, you just see this stuff now pretty regularly. Um, and if it wasn't Sterling Brown, I, I can't imagine we ever would have heard about it, right? I mean, if this was just some, some, some average guy, um, I, don't think, uh, I don't think we probably even would have heard about it, right? So you, you obviously you wonder you know, how often does this happen in general? So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think all you need to know is that, I mean, usually when these things happen, the, the police try to, you know, come up with reasons why the person d- created a difficult position for the police and not necessarily that they deserved it, but, um, try to make excuses. And I think it says a whole heck of a lot that the Milwaukee mayor, police commissioner. I mean, nobody's police chief, nobody's making excuses really for this. No. Um, and so I think that speaks volumes. You know, I, I was fully expecting them to say, oh, well, you know, his hands were in his pocket. Like, oh, we thought maybe he had a gun or, you know, whatever. Like he was going to, you know, shoot eight cops or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's just another kind of example and of things happening that you kind of just – wonder you know why 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 does it have to why why does it have to be so violent and um again uh you know if if it was like one cop and you know sterling brown was was being confrontational or you know trying to fight him or something then okay that's one thing but obviously um sterling brown was remarkably calm through this i would say and um you know he was I, i would say i would not necessarily say he was overly cooperative i mean Obviously, yeah, he shouldn't have been parked in handicapped spots. He should not have, or, you know, he could have been more cooperative. I'm sure I think he kept repeating something to the effect of look me up when they were asking him about what he did or who he was or something. Um, Again, it's just kind of one of those things like, um, you know, we, I think the, the response from sort of the public has been, you know, surprise, but not surprise. Um, And, uh, and obviously, you know, the fact that, the authorities, including the the police and and the mayor and everybody else, you know, is sort of saying the same things um, as as sort of the the outcries, uh, you know, on Twitter and in, in the, you know the public. I think that says a lot, right? I mean, this is is not controversial in the way some of these other incidents have been, in, in that you know the the authorities aren't even really trying to claim that there was some reason for this to happen. So, um, you know, I, I think the Bucks. I know you'll get into. It. I mean, the Bucks obviously issued a very strong statement condemning what happened uh sterling brown issued a statement as well i mean sterling brown really hasn't said very much at all about this um you know i think that's probably for the best he, he has uh, i believe filed a civil suit uh in the last week i think or at least that was announced um against milwaukee police so we'll see where this goes from here but obviously uh you know i think one of the things sterling brown did mention in his in his press release was you know trying to use this as a um hopefully a you know, a reason for, for people to, to try to affect change in a positive way. And you know, he said he did not want anybody to, to, you know, react violently to this. You know, there, there really should be a peaceful response to this. And uh, again, you just try to use it as, as hopefully something that can, can lead to better things. And 
better understanding between not just the police and communities, but just everybody, I guess, right? Um, it's it's not just a you know uh, communities versus the police thing because I think certainly as the Bucks and and you know others have pointed out, you know, the majority of the time this does not happen. Obviously, the police are you know for the most part not trying to do these sorts of things, but uh, obviously it, it still happens and. Um, you know, obviously I think everybody wants accountability when, you know, people are, you know, sort of, uh, acted, vi- you know, the police acts violently towards, towards members of the community who, who didn't deserve it. So, um, yeah, I hope, hopefully we don't have to talk about it, you know, another incident like this or talk about it much more. It reminds me a little bit, uh, there wasn't a police, you know, a little bit, a little bit of the John Henson situation a couple of years ago when he, yep. you know, was, was at that jewelry store and, you know, they called the cops and, you know, there's this big thing about John Henson, you know, being, uh, you know, called on because he was a black guy in a jewelry store. Um, so again, there's certainly, I think just sort of highlights, even if you're an athlete, you're not immune to, uh, to situations like this, which, you know, again, obviously happen every day and we don't necessarily hear about, but when it happens to an athlete, obviously it it shines a light on it. Yeah. And and I was gonna say, I thought like you, I mean, it did stick out to me that there wasn't, there wasn't an argument really from, from the police department there w- there was not um any attempts to you know somehow place that blame on him or uh say that he was not that he was the that sterling brown was the cause of the situation and um i just thought that was i mean like you said it's telling that they did come out and say that so uh, i just thought it was um an, an interesting situation because like you said i, I don't think there's as you watch the video, I don't think that you get the you get the vibe that Sterling Brown was yes sir, yep I was wrong. Let me lay down on the ground. Like there was some level of you know not being cooperative, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of the time when you get when you get a ticket, there is kind of the the thought to to be upset and ask questions like okay what are what are we doing here? And I think a lot of the times, if you would park like that. I, I would guess most of the time it's just okay. Here's your ticket. Don't do it again. Yeah, you get you like, get a ticket, and then they send you on your way, and, and that's it. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. and any time I have gotten a ticket, like that's the converse. That's the conversation. Whether it's you know just getting pulled over or, or whatever it may be. Like when you talk to a police officer, it's okay. What did what did you think you did wrong? What did you do wrong? And I don't think there was there was any dispute from Sterling Brown that he parked across those two handicapped spots. Like I, at least in the video I watched, I didn't see that. Um, and he didn't try to dispute it. He said, okay, sure. And uh, I thought largely he was just expecting to get a ticket and that was going to be the end of his night. Uh, and I think that's how I would assume this scenario plays out. Certainly that's how I would expect it to play out. If I had done this, if late at night, I had just kind of, uh, you know, uh, out of whatever, maybe out of arrogance, whatever, parked like that. I would suspect if a police officer saw me get out and I was getting ready to leave, and he said I need to give you a ticket, I'd say yeah, sounds good. That like I'll take. I, I don't deny it. It's it's very clear. I'll take my ticket and I'll go. And uh, that was that was not what happened. The, the exact opposite of that happened. They continued to sit there, and then uh, I think from Sterling Brown's perspective, when you see five or six more police cars pull up like what for this i i parked illegally yeah i i I just think that there is very much a human reaction 
inside of that to be like, yeah, I, I get it. I parked illegally, but there's no reason that you would need eight more officers here. Um, there would be, there's just no reason for that. So um, I just thought it would, it was somewhere where I think it was clear that they were wrong and they've admitted wrongdoing. And um, you would hope that you can kind of learn something from this, but this is uh, like you said, if it wasn't, if it wasn't Sterling Brown, we're not talking about this. Like this isn't a conversation that we're having. And I do think this is something that, you know, hopefully can help start a, start a conversation and start people, uh, start allowing people to see that, you know, there are problems in the city of Milwaukee. Like there is segregation and there is racism and all those things do exist. Um, and I think the way that this played out allows for that conversation to occur. And again, throughout this conversation, there's always going to be people looking to create excuses, right? Like, well, you know, this wouldn't have happened if he would have just parked normal. Yes, totally agree. And, you know, this wouldn't have happened if he would have took his hands out of his pocket. Yeah, I, I agree. But also, if he takes his hands out of his pocket too quickly, do they think he has, he has a gun and he gets shot? Because we've seen that happen. So uh, I just think there's a number of excuses that you can attempt to find along the way. But also, uh, I think at some point you do have to admit that, you know, there are some problems within the city. There is segregation. Uh, at times, there is systemic racism within police departments. Like, those are things that do exist in our world. And I do think it's hopefully, like I said, a, a conversation that can be had and something that people can learn. And uh, I know, as Sterling Brown said, like, you know, you want to have progress and you want people to be able to, like, the community to grow as a whole. And I think this does present a good opportunity for that. So we will see if that happens. Um, I guess the only other thing I would want to cover here is uh, the, or actually two other things immediately after all the statements came out from Sterling Brown, from the bucks, from the Milwaukee police department, a number of his, of his teammates on uh, Instagram, I think, and maybe Twitter as well uh, started to use uh just all black posts with hashtag stand with Sterling. Um, and I think it was Bledsoe and Jennings and Malcolm Brogdon and maybe John Henson. And I'm trying to think who else is there, but um, yep. Thon as well. Um, probably by now, everybody probably has <laughs> probably true, but um, it, it was, I mean, I think you could kind of see that all those, like it does mean a lot to uh, all of, all the members of the Bucks that, you know, Sterling is able to, you know, get the support of the community and of his teammates and they're able to stand up for him and, and kind of help out. And, um, I just think it's, it's a, it's an interesting situation because they, the Bucks do have, I mean, a number of guys that are, you know, kind of socially conscious. Like if you think about some of the stuff Malcolm Brogdon has done, uh, you think about some of the stuff Troy Parker has done, like you look at guys that are trying to help out in the community. Um, and like I said, I think this pr provides an opportunity for that. Yeah. And, and, and interesting kind of part of this whole story is that Sterling, I don't know if he still is, but I, I mean, I was, I think some people may have seen that, that Sterling Brown's dad is I don't, a current or former police officer, one or the other. Um, so, you know, the, the Brown family is, you know, not, not foreign to, to law enforcement. It's not like Sterling Brown has sort of a predisposition to, um, 
to get in trouble with the law. Um, I, you know, so, so yeah, it's, um, again, and, and I think what you said there, you know, we, we mentioned, I mean, if this isn't Sterling Brown, we probably never hear about it. And we don't say that in a, why is this a big deal kind of way? We say that in a, this is a big deal for maybe the wrong reasons. Well, I'm going to say it's a big deal for, for both good and bad reasons, right? It's a yeah. big deal because it is something where somebody just sort of gets thrown to the ground and tased when they haven't really done anything, you know, to, to sort of, you know, they haven't done anything aggressive. Um, and it's a famous athlete or at least semi-famous, athlete, I guess, is an athlete, is an NBA player. So that obviously makes it of greater interest to everyone. But, you know, the problem is that if it's not both of those things, if it's just a guy standing there getting slammed to the ground and tased, then, you know, it's, it's just another thing that happened and his family probably hears about it and the story goes around in his social circles and it never probably goes beyond that unless somebody takes a cell phone video of it and, and puts it on Twitter. Right. And, um, you know, again, I think it says a lot, obviously that the police admitted mistake that discipline happened, you know, there was, it didn't have to, you know, they didn't have to. There didn't have to be like a big trial or something about this in order to get um, discipline from the police side. And um, you know, it took a long time for this video to come out. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, it's May and this happened in January. Um, so certainly, this was you know, there was not a swift um, attempt to kind of clarify what exactly happened. So again, though, it, it kind of reminds you if if it isn't on if it isn't on video. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it just, it just happens and probably nobody ever is the wiser of it, at least on the outside. Right. I mean, that's, that's really a kind of a reminder of, you know, from social media, I mean, obviously social media, a huge part of sports, but just society in general now, the filming things and putting on Twitter and Facebook and all these things. I mean, it, uh, it obviously does draw attention to things, um, in ways that, you know, without before, before we had phones on all our cameras, we, or sorry, cameras on all our phones, <laughs> uh, you know, you would never would have had. So, um, so again, I, I'm sure this won't be the last we hear of it, um, but uh, you know, obviously, it uh, it's something that um, you hope is a learning learning experience for the city of Milwaukee, and um, you know, hopefully, pushes the kind of broader dialogue around um, you know violence uh, by police, you know, things like that. You just hope it pushes the dialogue in a positive direction, and um, that's that's really the only positive that can come out of that at this point. All right. Uh, final part of the story I kind of wanted to talk about was the Bucks organization uh, released a statement on Sterling, like the Sterling Brown situation and all that. And uh, I mean, I, I think it was a much stronger statement than maybe I was expecting uh, because it does kind of, um, you know, shine a light on all these things. I think I'm going to read this in full just so that everyone kind of knows and you don't have to look anything up. You can still look things up and uh, do some research. Don't don't let me stop you, but let me at least read this. The abuse and intimidation that Sterling experienced at the hands of Milwaukee police was shameful and inexcusable. Sterling has our full support as he shares his story and takes action to provide accountability. Unfortunately, this isn't an isolated case. It shouldn't require an incident involving a professional athlete to draw attention to the fact that vulnerable people, vulnerable people in our communities have experienced similar and even worse treatment. We are grateful for the service of many good police officers that courageously protect us, our fans, and our city, but Rachel racial 
biases and abuses of power must not be ignored. There needs to be more accountability. The Milwaukee Police Department and local officials have acknowledged the challenges they are working to address, and we urge them to enact higher standards and more direct accountability. We all want to be able to trust each and every officer serving to protect us. Incidents like this remind us of the injustices that persist. As an organization, we will support Sterling and build on our work with local leaders and organizations to foster safe neighborhoods and better our community. So uh, I guess the, I guess kind of what I want to talk about was that that was more than uh, boilerplate type stuff. Um, that was, I think, a pretty strong statement about, you know, where the community is. And I think what's interesting about it is the Bucks are trying to, uh, you know, become a larger pillar of the city, of the state, uh, of the community. And they're doing so by, you know, trying to improve the community and speaking out about things that might be going wrong. But in doing so, they're kind of putting themselves in, I guess, kind of in uh, competition is the right word, but they are putting themselves in conflict in a way uh, with another part of the community, the Milwaukee Police Department, that is uh, a large part of the community. Uh, This is putting themselves at odds with them and uh, trying to help create that conversation and uh, help better the community. But by doing so, you know, they're kind of putting themselves in a little bit of a precarious position. And I just don't know if that's something that you see from professional sports organizations because or organizations or teams um, just because it, it can be an awkward spot because, you know, those are people that uh, you need their support. You need the support of local officials and um, possibly going I don't. I guess going after the police department in a way can be a, a way that you know you might not curry a lot of favor around the around the community if that's the statement that you make. So I just thought it was really interesting that they did make such a strong statement, and I, I don't know if it's it's right or wrong to be that strong. I, I do think in a lot of ways it's a good thing that you are trying to improve the community and ask for greater accountability, but at the same time, you know you can. You can piss some people off. There's no doubt about that. So um, I just thought it was interesting. Do you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, I I think it's a stance that, you know, again, I mean, supporting your player isn't necessarily uh, shocking, especially in a situation like this where, you know, even the the police are, you know, not defending their actions. Um, But, yeah, I mean, they really, they didn't hold back. And I think certainly among Bucks players and I think, probably broader the NBA landscape, you know, the, the statement that they made will um, probably get uh, a fair bit of attention and um, will not go unnoticed. And again, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think you know, every organization makes, makes that strong of a statement about what happened. Um, so again, I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to sign LeBron because, because they you know, stood up for Sterling Brown. Um, but again, you know, I think so much of, um, you know, being an organization that, uh, you know, players want to play for, people want to work for, um, that is respected, you know, more broadly is, is, you know, being, um, standing your ground for your players and, and, and standing for, you know, something that, that you think is right. And, um, so obviously that's what the Bucks did here and they, you know, tried not to, um, you know, make it too, uh, you know, they, they obviously I think tried to show respect for law enforcement and, and understanding that this is not, you know, just 
this is not a blanket statement about law enforcement more yeah. generally, right? These these are the exceptions to the rule. Um, but just because it's the exception to a rule, it doesn't mean that you say, oh, can't do anything about it, you know, oh, well. Um, you know, there there is obviously accountability factor that uh, that they the Bucks would like to see and that I think probably, you know, everyone would like to see if, uh, if people aren't treated the way that we would expect them to be treated. So, um, so yeah, good on the Bucks and, um, you know, uh, hopefully we don't have to hear them come out and issue strong statements about, uh, you know, social issues or, you know, law enforcement or all this other stuff. Hopefully, um, you know, the, these worlds do not uh, intersect again. But uh, again, you know, it's it, sports is is part of a you know broader context of society. And, um, you know, inevitably, some of these things eventually tend to overlap, even if, you know, we kind of I think we like to think that sports is sort of its own little bubble that never never does intersect with with some of these broader topics and and debates and you know issues uh that happen you know the reality unfortunately is uh sports is is just a one small part of uh, our broader society and sometimes it does yeah i i think that's a that's a great point um and, and i'm sure there's going to be some people that probably i think tweet at this podcast and uh react to this podcast with you know stick to sports but i've I think for the for as long as sports have existed, they have not kept kept to sports. They have not stuck to sports. That's not how this works. And I guess my larger message would always be, you know, sure there there is a team and a logo and a city that you are representing, but the people representing them are people, and from people there is a person, and with the inside of each one of those jerseys on each one of those floors is a single person living their life just like you or just like me. And yes, they, they may have more money and they may do different things than we do with our lives, but they are still human beings. And I think that is why it is so impossible to quote unquote stick to sports because all of those people are just like you and me. They both have opinions. They, they both have lives to live. They both have uh, times where they struggle. They both suffer injustices. They, everyone goes through these same things. And I think part of what makes sports so great is that sports is incredibly human. Like that is, that is why I enjoy doing the job that I do where I'm able to tell the story of people and largely the, the stories that are, I think most compelling are the stories of the human struggle. And well, one of the struggles that African-Americans go through in the United States is racism. And we're seeing that in this event. So um, I guess that would be what I would leave you with for today. Um, I will not apologize for not talking more about basketball. Um, also, I would tell you there isn't a whole lot of basketball <laughs> for me to talk about when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks at this very moment. Um, anything you can think about uh, with the Bucks or anything else that you want to hit on tonight? Or are we good, Frank? Um, I think just one bit of uh, cat minutia that um, I hadn't really noticed or, or was aware of until I was reading Bobby Marks's ESPN Insider article the other day, and then I checked on Basketball Insiders, which also I like to look at and has good um, cap cap details for every team um brandon jennings guarantee date for his non-guaranteed salary this coming year is july 1st um and i think when when the deal was signed we talked about how we would expect that to be an early guarantee date just because um again if you have a non-guaranteed deal you want it to guarantee early because you want to have a chance if you don't stick with the team to, to have a chance to go find someplace else to play basketball mm -hmm. 
Um, so especially if you're, you know, you consider yourself an NBA player, which, you know, I think is debatable for Brandon Jennings at this point, but I'm sure he considers himself an NBA player. Um, so the July 1st day is, is significant because, you know, basically it means that at the start of free agency, he's going to know if he's going to be a free agent or um, if he's going to have going to have a home or, or at least going to have a guaranteed salary for next year. And I think the upshot for the Bucks is there's no way they should be not really there, there's no way they should they should be keeping brandon jennings and guaranteeing its salary um you know i think in practicality it, it would look like you know when they signed him for the remainder of the season um you know him officially signing a multi you know signing a multi-year deal for neck that included next year with this july 1st guarantee date was not really about keeping brandon jennings next year but it was really about giving the bucks a non-guaranteed contract that they could potentially trade um you know through the end of june at least so if they did a draft night deal or something like that that involved more salary and they needed a you know two million dollar salary that they could include for matching purposes and then the other team could just waive that player and, and not have any you know obligation that's where a, a deal like that is valuable um and if you're brandon jennings you know whether you signed for the rest of last season or you signed a non-guaranteed deal for this season really doesn't matter um a whole lot um because you're going to be a free agent on july 1 either way if, if you do get waived so um you know just sort of one of those things that i think is good cap management uh from the bucks in terms of just giving themselves a little bit more optionality in terms of you know having a little bit more flexibility to make moves heading up to uh to the end of june and again i do not imagine that there will be a you know blockbuster trade that requires brandon jennings contract for salary matching but you never know so um so i think especially given jennings right now is the fourth point guard on this roster um and given how much we've talked about how tight the bucks cap situation is i mean it would be insane to guarantee another two million dollars on your cap for a fourth point guard going into july right i mean that's just you can you can just wait and go find your your if you really need a fourth point guard you can go find one at the end of the summer and quite possibly brandon jennings himself at that point so um i was just gonna say like there's no rule prohibiting you from signing him again like if if you yeah. really do believe in him um that you could do that yes yeah so anyway so just in terms of things to kind of watch out for things to expect a month from now end of june most likely you will see the bucks uh request waivers on brandon jennings and um so now you'll be prepared but as you said alex or alex you're not alex boater um as you said eric uh you know alex did alex and i did like one podcast with jeremy schmidt like oh god probably probably in like 2011 or something like that. Okay. And we were terrible at it. I don't know if it ever even, I don't even know if Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy recorded it. I don't even know if we, we even posted it. Um, but that was like the very first like prototype, uh, brew hoop basketball podcast. Um, <laughs> just reminded me, but I, <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, steal yourself, Brandon Jennings fans for the likelihood of Jennings getting released. Um, who knows what might happen to Brandon thereafter, but that would be one uh, thing that, most likely will happen and um yeah i guess uh th- that is my random bit of cat minutia for today you wouldn't be frank madden without cat minutia so oh. ha- happy to have you buddy and you know happy to let you shine all right that is going to be it for us for today uh i will be back tomorrow i'm still trying to figure out who my guest is going to be for tomorrow but i'll have someone um or maybe i'll go solo i'm not 100 percent sure uh but we'll figure that out For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.